decided on this movie a decent time ago. And I literally waited till last night to watch it. I know. And I actually hadn't heard from you saying that you watched it. And so I was thinking. That was the best timing (laughs) ever. So I was thinking, oh God, did Dawn either forget we're doing the movie this weekend or is she waiting until tomorrow to watch it? Because I was like, I feel like I should have heard from her by now and what she's thinking. And I I hadn't. So I had to text you and be like, hey. (laughs) And no sooner did she text me, the credits started rolling and I was like. Wow, that's spooky timing. <laughs> Very spooky there timing. There was a disturbance in the force because I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to text throughout. Yeah, and at that point, it was just questions upon questions and comments upon comments. Yes. Well, Windfall was part of my new movies of March list because we were trying to stay on top of new movies that were coming out and I had a whole list of them that I wanted to watch to scope out for the pod. The first one was Fresh, which we both watched, but we actually liked and so are not going to cover it for mm-hmm. the podcast, but we do recommend that you go watch it. Yeah, it was Unless good. you're a little squeamish, because I got to say, I couldn't eat red meat for about three or four weeks after watching it. I mean, it's not super visual in that sense but just the idea of it all is I don't know. Very... there's a lot of close-up shots of meat carving and preparation of meat human meat <laughs> so it's just kind of disturbing to me in that way but deep water was part of that and windfall was part of that watch as well so as soon as i saw both of them, i was more excited about deep water but when i watched Windfall, i was like you know what i could talk about this movie too i think that this of the two of deep water and windfall this is the one that i was a little less certain that I wanted to cover for the podcast, but I felt that I could, and I have many things to say about it. So, which is we're gonna give it a shot. Episode. (laughs) We're gonna give it a shot tonight. So this is I hate it. Let's watch it. I'm Lisa, and I'm Dawn. We're covering Windfall. Windfall, a Netflix original. Yes, we got Jason Segel and Jesse Plemons and Lily Collins. And the best part of this, I think. In an overall thing, I'm watching the beginning. I'm watching the credits. I'm watching. And her husband, Charlie McDowell, wrote the movie, directed the movie, produced the movie, (laughs) did the whole thing. And Charlie McDowell is the son of Malcolm McDowell, Mr. Clockwork Orange. So I was like, this is going to be rather intriguing. When somebody is part of the industry for so long, grew up in the industry, Mm -hmm. it's easier for ideas or just to see how things work and see how things are perceived and accepted or not accepted so you think i'm not sure if it's if he's been doing this a while i don't know if this is his first one it's the first one him and lily collins collaborated on though but Mm -hmm. it was an interesting type of story to go with yeah well you saying that him being embedded in the industry is usually a good sign i think you can also pickle in the other direction though Pickle. Yeah, you know, if you've been brining in the industry for oh, a certain number of years. His mother's also Mary Steenberger. Uh, Mary Steenberger. That doesn't help me. The mom from Step Brothers, Will Ferrell's mom. That also doesn't help me. You're killing me. Sorry. The mom and elf. Okay, yeah. And she's now married to Ted Dancer. <laughs> you know, like, a bizarre amount of knowledge, and it's just, it's all, like, random knowledge. <laughs> it's all random Hollywood knowledge. Like, it's it's kind of It's crazy. pop culture. I'd probably be good at a trivia night at a bar somewhere. I think somewhere. you would. I think you'd be great at it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. But, yeah, so he's 
he's in the industry. Right. So I think that you can kind of pickle in the other direction, though, because I think if you're surrounded by all of this, you kind of have this elevated sense of what makes a good movie or what art is. You know, I feel like you can get away with doing a project like this where you have a cast that is literally four people. Four people. One set. It's shot all entirely in the same place. And it sounds like sort of an experiment that you might do in film school. Because I remember doing creative writing projects like this where they would put extreme limitations on what you're writing Mm -hmm. and you have to think outside of the box kind of to make it work and to make it effective. So I think they were probably thinking that this project was sort of an experiment in character study and how to to tell a story. It reminds me of, you know, how TV shows – what do they call them? When it's all filmed in the same set, it's, a, it's like a budget-saving tactic where they film an episode of shit. Now I'm going to have to look it up. Bottle episode. Oh, okay. It's called a bottle episode. And it's supposed to be cheaper because it's obviously it's only filmed in one area. It's, it's for an example, it's the episode of Seinfeld with the Chinese restaurant where they're waiting for a table. It all takes place in that right, lobby just that one, yeah. of the Chinese restaurant. So it felt like one of those where they were like, what if we did a bottle episode, but it was a movie? And it was like, okay, well, it might work for a 30-minute sitcom but for a 90 minute movie thank god it was only 90 minutes yeah it's this actually, was very digestible it at, was for what it was yeah. and netflix now has a a section that's 90 minute movies. really <laughs> and i'm like yes and that's the one those are the ones i go for but um yeah i mean we start this movie and even the music and the font of yes. like it was very like fifty classic Hollywood, classic Hollywood, and even I mean the f- even the poster looks yes. that way. And as we go through, we don't get dialogue until seven and a half minutes in. No, and I have to say, when I did do my second watch of this movie, I did a lot of the ten second forward skipping just to kind of get through it faster. Mm-hmm. And I could do so much skipping without missing a second of dialogue because there was one scene where it was literally just everybody checking their watches at a random time. Like, it's just Mm -hmm. people staring at each other suspiciously and checking their watches. And that's all that was happening for, like, three minutes. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there was definitely more silence than dialogue, which I guess was supposed to add to the thriller-esque... Right, build tension. Yeah. I didn't feel tense in this movie at all until the last 20 minutes or so. Correct. And even then, I wasn't really sure what the stakes were because I didn't think that Jason Siegel was going to kill anybody. No. So. And it was very weird to see him in a role like that. Yeah, it's true. I love him so much. I love him too. And it's <laughs> any of them really because, I mean, right now we cover Emily in Paris. So to see her in this type of a role more serious, more depressed. It it was just odd. And then to see Jesse Plemons, who, don't get me wrong, great actor. Mm -hmm. And I never saw him in Fargo. Me either. But the things I have seen him in, he's been this more quiet, (laughs) dullish, ignorant character. And Uh it's to see him be so verbal and aggressive I thought he was rather charismatic too. Oh yeah, like, I mean I found there was him something funny, 
And also, even the moments when he was being an asshole, I didn't hate him. <laughs> no, I, I even wrote down, I was like, I'm weirdly attracted to him in this movie, and I never was before. I would never go that far, because I think it's just something about how he doesn't appear to have eyebrows, because they're <laughs> they're they're blonde, and so they yeah. just blend right into his skin. It kind of makes his face look a little weird to me, and so I'm always just kind of like, where are your eyebrows? They did do a lot of close-ups, though. yeah. Yeah, we got very intimate with everybody and and the oranges, too. We got very intimate with the oranges. Well, speaking of oranges. Yes, I can't believe we've waited this long to talk about it. And to actually take a sip. And to imbibe. We have a signature cocktail tonight. It's basically a tequila sunrise because we had to feature the the orange juice from which this movie is um, born, I guess. So many oranges. So it, many ch- orange trees. So many oranges. You could smell it. I felt like I could smell oranges when I was watching this I kind of wanted to sit under one of them. But yeah. They gave, I'll be honest, the sca- the landscape, the setting, I wanted to be there. I yes. Did. It seemed very remote, very private, relaxing. And, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of orange juice, but I do like oranges. I like to eat. Yes. I'm not an orange juice orange person, fruit, though. Which is also why I use Sunny Delight for our cocktail. Yes. <laughs> because it is the superior orange beverage. Bring me back to the 90s, baby. I know it's like 5% juice, but whatever. Yeah, there's tequila in there as well and grenadine. I put a little bit of seltzer in there because you know I'm about that fizz. So <laughs> You know I'm about that fizz. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, that's delightful. Lovely. Another good summer drink for y'all out there. Who yes, and do you want to tell them the name of it? Oh, yes. I'm going to try and pronounce it correctly because it's a bit of a tongue twister. But it's the hostage situation. Citru coming from citrus because obviously oranges. It took us at least an hour to come up with we this, We spent a long time brainstorming that, but I think we're happy with the results. <laughs> yes, and of course, and I will say this. I'm giving Lisa credit for... All the drinks, all the names, I literally just post them on the internet. (laughs) I almost kind of want a salted rim on this, like a margarita. Or a sugar rim. When tequila's involved, I need that. Oh, true. True, true, true. Saltiness. But anyway. Anywho. So, and honestly, even like one of the first things we see, Jason Siegel is out in the orange groves and he's drinking a glass of orange juice. And then he takes an orange off the tree and he eats the orange, which is when I was like, man, I really want an orange. Right? It just seems so refreshing. Yes. And then he walks back into the house. You know, this whole opening scene I felt like would have been really cool and effective if you didn't know anything about the movie. Because I knew the premise. I knew that he was breaking and entering and robbing these people. So when he starts rubbing his fingerprints off of stuff that was like okay yeah that makes sense like he doesn't belong right but i think the way that it started if you didn't know he was an an intruder you might think that he lived there yeah he belonged there because he was kind of acting like he did Mm -hmm. so i think that moment then when he started wiping his fingerprints off of stuff could have been a really cool sort of pivotal moment where you're like oh Something right, weird why is, is happening he doing here. that? But that was spoiled for us because of the whole concept of the movie. <laughs> right, like that's the actual description for the movie. Right, yeah. You, If you read anything about it before you watched it, you would be like, okay, I know exactly what's about to happen. Exactly. So I think that could have been more effective. I was also confused at what the genre was supposed to be only because I found myself laughing a lot. Yes, I think it was sort of a dark comedy. I think that's where I would put it. The one-liners were good. Yes. Yeah. And like absurd comedy, I think, is probably a good way mm. to go with it, too, because there were just moments where it was like, 
<laughs> this is just ridiculous that this is happening right now. Why did he pee in the shower? Was it a DNA thing? Like, was he trying to avoid, I guess because he like, wasn't touching anything. Sitting on the toilet? Maybe. It was a long pee, too. I felt like we were, we were there a little while. Yeah, we watched the whole thing. Damn that orange juice. <laughs> Goes right through you. Right. Especially when there's tequila in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but there was also the point where he he comes in from the orange groves and he stops and he ties his boot. Which is a happens recurring, throughout. Yeah, it's a recurring thing. And, and I don't understand why. Is it? I mean, the only time that it really becomes significant is the final time. Yes, but... but there, that wasn't but something why? we could right. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't something we could anticipate. No. Just him tying his boot. Although if we're gonna do that too, we have to acknowledge that they do a, a lingering shot of the statue that is later several used. times. Yeah. So like they're they're foreshadowing it, although we have no context as to why that would be important until the very end. So again, Here's my here's my main thought about this movie, and I will say it probably more than once tonight. This movie felt very pretentious to me. It felt artsy, bordering on douchey. Mm-hmm. So the whole time I was just kind of like, all right. I kind of appreciated the artsy part, though. It was the douchey part that ruined it. Like, they, they didn't go hand in hand. It was an either-or situation. That line's very blurry for me, though, from the art to the douchery. I think... They were trying too hard at times yes. to make it artsy, but I think that's my overall impression of the movie. That's why I didn't like it, and that's why I wanted to do it for the podcast, was just because I felt like this movie was a masturbatory exercise for the writers and directors. No, I, I agree with you on that, because I feel, like I said, I liked the artsy aspect of it, but it would get ruined by a snide comment or certain dialogue. And I'm like, uh. Oh, see, I have an opposite view of that. I feel like if it had been, you know, a straight artistic kind of piece, I would have been really upset. But those moments of levity and humor kind of made it more tolerable to me. I'm not saying I hated that. I just felt the weirdness of the combination Mm -hmm. was just weird to me. I just felt like somebody was saying to themselves, like, look what I can do with a minimal cast on a minimal set and minimal dialogue. Look at this story that I can build using very few components and how amazing this is. This is how they used to make movies and they were so much better in 50s Hollywood times and blah, blah, blah. And and like, I could just hear somebody saying that as they're directing this and just patting themselves on the back for this achievement. But I, I just felt like there was no tension and if we were supposed to get to know the characters more, I really didn't feel like we got that deep. The impressions that I had of them when we first met them are kind of the same as when we end the movie, except maybe for Lily Collins. But the whole time when they're together, they're like, Jason Siegel's like, I'm not telling you anything about me. And then they're revealing very little about themselves too. It like It's almost like built into the premise that they don't want to talk about themselves and reveal more about themselves and yet, I think that's what this movie wanted to do, was to, to dig into the And yet, when they do, nobody gives a fuck. Right. Like, he comes right out when it comes to the tattoo part. Yeah, he's like, I don't care. <laughs> I don't give a fuck, he yeah. says. And I'm like, hmm, you asked about it before, though. Right, you gave a fuck earlier, but now you don't care. <laughs> like, it was just very odd. And then even her saying it, like, oh, it was a rose and I loved it. And it was like, I think that 
we're getting ahead. We are. <laughs> this yeah. is the end of the movie. <laughs> let's let's we'll go back to it then. Yeah. But I have something to say about that. Okay. They try from very early on, they kind of try to set up the relationship dynamic between Lily Collins and Jesse Plemons. And we're supposed to think that Jesse Plemons is this really arrogant, rich guy. And my opinion never really changes throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. We don't really find out a whole lot more about him. We kind of figure out what his job is at a, at a certain point and why he has so much money. We kind of hear that he might have had an affair or two at some point during their marriage. He wants to have a family and that is a point of contention. But I don't know. I feel like I didn't need them to tell me that. I needed them to tell me different information about him. Right, that stuff kind of seemed obvious. Exactly. When they none of it surprised me right. when they were revealing it. And it was sort of the same with Lily Collins. And the reason why I found the ending so shocking was because they built this character for her throughout the movie that was kind of contradictory. I and mean, we didn't really kind of get a good read on her. So then whatever she did was going to be a surprise mm-hmm. <laughs> because it was like, oh, I didn't see that coming because you didn't show that coming. But I found it hard to see her as a passive partner when she seemed to have no problem speaking up, giving her opinions, Mm -hmm. giving thoughts, giving orders even at times. And he, Jesse Plemons, seemed sort of to some extent deferent to her and would do what she said. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of confused by the portrayal of their relationship as him suppressing her. I didn't get that. I didn't get that either. If anything, I felt that it was one of those situations where he loved her more than she loved him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or he needed her more than she needed him because, yes, he had the money, but she seemed to be doing well for herself before she met him. And it's just because she met him, she kind of was able to fund her ambitions better. Mm-hmm. But it's not like she was a struggling artist on the streets somewhere or something and he plucked her out of poverty she had the materials and she seemed to have the drive to get where she needed to go (sighs) and even jason siegel kind of prized that fact out of them because i think it was when they were sitting outside the tattoo thing comes up he's like oh what tattoo are you trying to get rid of on your foot she's about to answer and then jesse plummins is like Oh, it was so ugly. Yeah, it was or the ugliest tattoo I've ever seen. And that just squashes any other part of that conversation. And then he starts asking other questions. And then mm-hmm. that's when you find out that she is a charity worker and all this stuff. And But you're right. She does. She doesn't stay. I mean, she is pretty quiet throughout the whole thing. But she doesn't stay silent. Like, she does comment when she needs to comment. Yes. And she's not submissive. Because you would think if she was in an a and I'm saying abusive lightly because I don't think that Jesse Plemons was ever abusive. He no. might have maybe made her feel like she right, didn't it was have more a, of a mental thing. Yeah, but then you would think she might apply that to other men in her, you know, that she encounters. But you know, when she needs to go to the bathroom and Jason Siegel's trying to give her all of these uh, directives of how to do that without, you know, <laughs> right, uh, compromising his hold over them. She's like, I'm going to close this curtain because I need privacy. Right. And does it anyway. So it's not like she is timid or passive. She has agency. Mm -hmm. And I found it really unbelievable that she was removing a tattoo for Jesse Plemons. That was the first thing that didn't feel right to me. Because 
it's just a tattoo. It's on her foot. She didn't seem submissive to the point where she would literally have a tattoo removed just to make him happy. Right. That that didn't compute for me. And it's the same thing with the birth control. Because Jason Siegel is looking through her purse for money early in the movie. and finds- That was a funny scene, though. Him trying to open the bag. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, was there a trick to this or something? She's like, no, you just open it. <laughs> right. Like, both of them are like, dude, just open it. Like... Yeah. That's when I was saying, like, is this a comedy? Like, because there were some moments where yeah. I was just kind of like, this is this is kind of funny. It kind of mirrored probably, I wouldn't say a real life interaction, but a real life response to that. Yeah, to try and use humor to kind of make a, a bad situation feel yeah. a little less bad. I think it also served to show how inept Jason Siegel was at robbing people because mm-hmm. he just he was clearly making it up as he went along and yeah so that that was part of the that was pretty much the part of the movie that i was so confused about what was he clearly doesn't have this experience yes yeah there were contradictions in there too because he knew enough to know that they weren't supposed to be there right and like minimal research like yeah and jesse plumins calls him out for this too he's like you seem to know that we weren't going to be here that there weren't going to be security cameras like you had to have some knowledge of this and i agree with that but he also didn't fully vet the area he parked his car right in front of a security camera right which i gotta say you know it wasn't like it had a big neon sign saying, here's a security camera, but it also wasn't really hidden. No. So you, if you would, he had just done a quick glance around the area to look for that kind of thing, he would have seen it. So he's inexperienced, but he did some level of research. And we never find out why no. he did this, which is one of the things that bothers me the most about this movie. <laughs> that would, I think that would have made the ending a little more, it would have had a little more depth to it, I think. We would have been able to pick a side better, I think, maybe. Yeah. Well, this is what makes the artistic verge on the douchery for me, because I feel like this was the kind of thing where they were like, no, we won't tell them. We won't tell them why. Well, we don't even get names. We'll just leave it. Yeah. Well, exactly. They're they're giving us the bare minimum and sort of leaving it to our imaginations and just sort of the character study that occurs in these 90 minutes. And that's not enough for me. It might be enough for other people. I'm sure that there's a community of people who found this movie very <sighs> fulfilling in some way or inspiring, meaningful, but I'm just not one of those people. I... <laughs> I was bored for a great majority of it. And then it was kind of the last 20 minutes that made me feel like there was enough to talk about for the podcast. Because up until that point, I was like, I don't like this movie, but I can't talk about it. And then the last 20 minutes, I was like, okay, I can talk about this movie. (laughs) Right. And I I also feel that, oh, about the last 20 minutes. It's the, again, it's the most interaction we get. It's the most... Tense. Tense, visually intriguing, engaging, intriguing aspect of the movie. But you're right. We don't. And I even sat there kind of thinking like at the end, oh, is this supposed to be a lesson movie? Like one of those like there's a moral to the story. (laughs) Because I don't know if it could have been because you're basically telling somebody that's your only way out yeah because <laughs> i mean yes <laughs> she's two for two i think i think this movie was a or i'm sorry i think this movie was supposed to be 
a poignant statement about the power of choice and the choices that we make in our lives. Fair enough. So even aside from the obvious of Lily Collins, we have Jason Siegel deciding, choosing to rob this place. And every choice he makes from the beginning of the movie to the end has an impact on how the movie proceeds. And same with Jesse Plemons. You know, the fact that he decides at that point to try to pass a note to the gardener and then everything that happens from there has an impact on other people. So I can derive that meaning from this movie, but mm-hmm. I don't I don't know what the main point of it is. It's like just be more aware of your choices and how they affect other people or I don't right if you make this one choice it could have a butterfly effect right or there's a def- I wouldn't say a definitive outcome but like uh if you choose this you're stuck with this you know like kind right of yeah like you're a- kind of stuck on that path like train tracks you know if you choose mm-hmm. one path versus another you're kind of stuck on that path to the end because even even with we, when we find out a little bit more about jesse Plummon's job it sounds like he has a company that basically goes in tells companies how to more efficiently run and so downsizes or you know cuts jobs basically he was very determined to find out if jason siegel was an employee part of any of these as if it's happened before it's he's definitely had rebuttals before i mean for sure because again it sounds like he's in a job where he is responsible for lots of people losing their jobs and he has found a way to make peace with it and i honestly don't begrudge him it because he makes a really good reference to coal miners being prepared for green energy because you know everybody wants to push for green energy initiatives but the sad fact of that would be that Mm -hmm. we stop employing people to mine for coal and you know natural gases and things that it would substitute for and all those people are going to lose their jobs so people don't always consider the human impact of it and that's not to say that green initiatives aren't worth pursuing but it is going to have an impact on people in that way. So he kind of equates what he's doing to that. I'm helping companies operate better for the future and the employees who get fired, well, you know, I'm just helping them realize that they were in a dying industry and they should get into something else. It might be kind of a cold way to look at it, but necessary, perhaps. So there was a very gray area to all of this. And again, I think it's really, it just comes down to choice and the choices that you make and whether or not you can live with them and choices were made choices were definitely made do we want to paint the picture of the last 20 minutes do you, oh are we already at the last 20 minutes hold on hold on oh no we don't want no we still have a whole never mind <laughs> yeah i jumped the gun <laughs> where do you want to go next um when the gardener shows up oh wait but we hold on what I was else so, did we miss i want to go before that because i mean like i don't know that we have to get into too much detail about the first part of the movie well there's one thing that i think i kept saying over and over to myself he was gonna leave right he was so close if they hadn't Why did, come right like at, just leave yeah and then the problem then became that he noticed the surveillance camera that caught him leaving the scene of the crime Right, but prior to that, he was about to leave when they showed up. Right. He hears them. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Just oh, like, go. Like just he should go. Yeah, Well, just... I think he was afraid that she had seen his face and could potentially identify him. So 
yeah, from that point, then it was sort of a hostage situation. Then then he kind of laid it out and they were like, we'll just pretend you were never here. You didn't take enough for us to report it. There's really not a problem. Right, like they kind of, it's like it happened to them before. Well, yeah, they were pretty calm about it. But at the same time, I guess when you have money, you kind of can be because you got to figure that somebody like this has their price and that you can oh, yeah. eventually come to a settlement where, you know, they just leave. And you probably don't even need to report them to the police because if he had made off with his initial $5,000, like, that's nothing for them. That's literally a a drop in the bucket. Right. And if that were me, I'd be like, score $5,000. Like, that helps a lot. So, and then this leads to the conversation. So when he realizes that now there's surveillance footage of him, that this could come back to haunt him, he would need more money because now he's going to have to like really go put a lot of effort into escaping and staying off the radar. So Jesse Plemons asks him what he thinks he needs to start a new life. And I'm just curious. He said $150,000. What would you say? What would your opening gambit be there? Not $150,000. No, that's pretty low. I would probably say more than that. Let's be realistic. You know my situation now. Mm-hmm. I would need at least, at the very least, 400 Yeah, I was going to say probably around, like, where he right. is like, up we're at talking, We're talking about starting over. Right. And depends on where you want to go, of course. Yeah. But even to buy a house or put a down payment on a house. Shit. Yeah. Like, depending on what you're doing with it. But... Yeah, and we don't know exactly who to equate Jesse Plemons to. Is he like a Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk or something where you could have asked for a, a million dollars and have it been okay? But you should always highball. And I, I, it's interesting. I guess it kind of gives us a little insight into Jason Siegel's situation if he thought that asking for 150 was a lot, was a lot or at least enough. Because I think at that point you would try and, you know, start high and then negotiate down if He also necessary. mentions that... It's not just for him. Well, he says you don't know if it's just for me. Oh, you don't know. If and it's we just never for me. find out if it is or isn't, which is very annoying to me because I really would have wanted to know his motivations for this. Mm-hmm. Even if he wasn't an employee, is somebody in his family sick? Is he trying to pay for medical bills, mm-hmm. operations, or something? Is there a connection at all? He's clearly not a career criminal, but then again, you know, he picked this target, he picked this person and decided to rob them. So is there no motivation there other than I know this guy's rich and I know where his vacation house is? Well, as the movie starts, he's very nonchalant about how he goes about that property. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, he starts speeding up and starting to look for the shit he wants to take. So that's where I got a little confused, too, because he starts off with just hanging out. Having orange juice, yeah. eating an orange, <laughs> looking over this, looking Peeing over in the that. shower. <laughs> like, and then all of a sudden, and this is prior to him hearing them show up, Right, he starts scrambling for the shit he wants to steal. And I'm like, I, I was just very confused at that, too. Like, yeah, well, I think that kind of went to one of the conversations that he has with Jesse Plemons later on where... Jesse said something like, did you want to see what it would be like to be me? Mm -hmm. So I kind of think that maybe that's what that was, where he was like imagining, man, what would my life be like if this was my vacation home and this is where I came to do things? And I don't know if you've ever done house sitting or just like been somewhere 
where somebody who's got more money than you and you just kind of uh, like yeah yeah and, you, and there's, no, <laughs> there's nobody else there and you just kind of walk around and be like damn look at all this shit this is really cool and sort of imagine like what it would be like if you lived in a place like that or had access to something like that so i kind of saw that as that but i really just wish we knew why he had done any of this in the first place but we don't and we, yeah, we really find don't out. have like you said, a lot of backstory. Nope. And that would have been nice. But one of the funny moments <laughs> that I really enjoyed was when Jason Siegel comes back because he he locked the two of them in the sauna. Oh, my. First of all, <laughs> can I just tell you, watching him compile lawn, like, the, yeah, the, push the furniture, the furniture in front of the door. <laughs> I was fucking dying. I'm like, the chair would have been enough. And then he starts with like the Ottomans. Yeah. And then he takes he the full to make lounge it difficult. chair. Yeah. And then he puts a sheet over the so they don't even get light. <laughs> and I was like, oh my god, I, I let me tell you, I always think about like situations like that where you're stuck in a spot. Yeah. As much as I panic, I think I would just take a nap. <laughs> Everything will look better when I wake up. <laughs> right? Why panic? I'll just nap yep. at this at this very moment. What else can I do? Nothing. So I will take a nap. If like I'm the- stuck in an elevator, what am I going to do? I'll nap until somebody gets me. Obviously, they're going to see <laughs> that the elevator's broken. This is a wild strategy because it's like the opposite of fight or flight. Like fight or flight or nap. But I think the tendency to panic in those situations is that there's a limited air supply. And so you I'd might be I'd be a little concerned. panicked, but then also... My panicking would cause me to breathe heavier, and I can't do that. Yeah. I mean, maybe there's a nice medium ground there where you can try to assess the situation without panicking. And then take a nap. (laughs) Or, you know, try and get out. But regardless. And something to note in that scene, Jesse Plemons and Lily Collins are having a little spat at some point because he says how he canceled his weekend to Mm -hmm. spend for her. And she's like, for us. And he's like, for us, that's what I said. But it was just funny because, again, if she's the passive party in the relationship, would she really have even said anything? And he didn't get mad at her for saying that. He was just like, no, no and yeah, he you're was, right. And he was yelling it as if to prove something to yeah. Jason Siegel. Right. So I like that was another moment where I just she asserts herself. She's not just sitting there looking guilty that he had to cancel his weekend for her, but just right or saying. this or this. Like you said, like the submissive wife, like she's not that. No, no. And then it's further uh, advanced by that scene where they go to bed and when they're getting ready to go to bed, Jesse Plemons tells this her. This was, I was a little confused by this. I'm not even going to lie. I was confused too for a variety of reasons. The first one is that Jesse Plemons tells Lily Collins, listen. If we're going to get out of here, like, you need to get close to him. You need to, like, buddy up to him because we want him to not want to kill us and feel bad for us and basically have some sort of human connection so that he doesn't do anything stupid. And here I thought he was pimping her out. You know what? I do whatever he wants. Like, that's what he said. Yes, he did say that. But I don't know that I don't know that he necessarily meant to go that far. But even if he did, I still kind of get it. I don't understand why she was so confused or like put off by that because I do think this is the kind of situation where you, you have to do where that. you do kind of need to do what you need to do to get out alive. And he did seem to have enough humanity about him that you could kind of 
endear yourself to him, make him form that connection with you. I don't think you could have scruples in that situation. Like you need to just kind of felt, be willing. Mm-hmm. And I felt Jesse Plemons knew that. He he was yes. thinking. Like he was trying to get them out of this situation. Right. And I felt like where we say she's not the submissive and she speaks up and all that stuff. But like, was she thinking of how to get out of this? She seemed, I don't want to say she seemed to enjoy it. No. But it seemed to be a situation where she was going with the flow. Yeah. Because it broke up the monotony of her life. I think that she thought she could read Jason Siegel and she could see that he was not going to hurt them or kill them. Right. Which I don't necessarily disagree with. I think that's how I read it, too. And I think I said that earlier, mm-hmm. that I didn't think he was going to hurt either of no. them. However, you don't know. And right. Even, Anybody could change on And even dime. with what happened with the gardener, that changed everything in terms of, like, what needed Ooh. to happen. So, you know, to be prepared for something like that, I... I think it was the smart move to try to get her to cozy up to him. And obviously he wasn't going to be able to do that. Jason and Jesse did not like each other early on. Like that was very clear. Mm -hmm. So she was really their only chance at kind of making a friendship out of this to the point that it could save them. So that kind of annoyed me because either she was stupid or she was so affronted by what Jesse Plemons was asking her to do that she was just stubbornly not going to do it. I I see that. I see that as part of her, just her personality, honestly. Yeah, I just, uh, I don't get it. Like, honestly, I thought if maybe the movie had been different in that way, if she, it had been her idea to kind of cozy mm-hmm. up to him, that would have made more sense to me because the ending made her seem more calculated than she had oh, been yeah. throughout the entire movie. So I just, I didn't buy that turn on a dime. Yeah, no, you you just made a point that I want to just reiterate if it was her idea. Now, the fact that it was his idea, I wonder if she was so, again, she wasn't so against it. She just didn't follow what Jesse Plemons was trying to work towards. But if it had been her idea, was she afraid of Jesse's rebuttal? What do you think? Like, do you think she was thinking that idea? Yeah. And then once he said it, she was kind of like, oh, wait a minute. You're willing to pimp me out for this? I don't think, I didn't read it that way. I read it as her being offended that he would even ask her to do something like that. Right, right. That sorry, that's where I was going. But it was, I don't think it had occurred to her until he mentioned it. And then she was like, what? I don't, what? And she was all indignant about it. And I, I was don't like, like, bitch, you're yeah. trying to survive here. You just do what you need right, to do. Right, he wasn't. Right, and he wasn't suggesting it in this malicious way of, no, like... No, and he didn't even say, like... You're right, he did say, you know, do whatever. What he wants, but right. But I really don't think that it could have come to that in the 36 hours. Oh, it wasn't hours, gonna, you know, like, the no. 12 hours that they were gonna be there. And he didn't give off that, bi- that vibe anyway, so no. it wasn't, like... But I didn't even think she did what he wanted her to do, because... Not at all. She does go out and talk to him, but... When he prods at the weaknesses in their relationship, she doesn't back down. And she kind of still seems to... She does tell the story about their wedding day. But she ends it by reinforcing that she did what she did and is what it is. Mm -hmm. And he mentions about, you know, oh, wow, if somebody wants to have kids but the other person isn't ready, you know, that must be difficult. And she doesn't take the bait. And that would have been a really good opportunity 
to kind of allow him to see the crack in their relationship and and kind of get in there, worm in there. A right, little but bit. it's like sh- I don't think she realized he knew. Of course she didn't. But that was actually a pretty pointed question, which I, I think I would have been suspicious about. I was right, like, like that's Dude, very you're not direct. hiding. You're not hiding this very well because he had no reason to say that if not for some knowledge that he had. But she didn't really open up to him or warm up to him in that conversation in a way that I think would have helped. Her only like thing that made it seem that maybe she's going to go in that direction was he had offered her, was it a beer or a Coke? I couldn't tell. <laughs> I thought it was a beer and then I thought it was, was a it, Coke. Yeah, I thought it was a Diet Coke. It might have been a Diet Coke. <laughs> but the way she was like, yeah, I'll have one. I was like, is it a beer then? Yeah, right? Know. Like, ooh, going crazy. Right. Diet Coke after midnight. Mm. But, right. <laughs> but I kind of felt like at that point was she realizing her approach was not working. So the only way to, I guess, work her way in was to accept his, you know what I mean? Like, oh, he offered me a drink, so I'm going to take it. I want to show him like I'm on his side kind of thing. I have no idea because I I thought that that conversation was going to go totally differently. Yes. And it was... It was so boring. <laughs> it was very underwhelming. She told the story about her wedding, which is the only thing that's significant about it that travels to the end of the movie. But she talks about how she she saw when she was waiting to walk down the aisle, she was looking down at her feet and she was thinking about how if she walked forward down the aisle, she knew it the next... 30 or 40 years of her life were going to look like. And if she didn't, she had no idea what she was going to be doing. And then she didn't know until she took that first step that she was going to go forward and go get married. But that gives us nothing really, you know, because it does say that she indicated she might have had some doubts or concerns about the but relationship. Right. But she still went through with it. So, yeah, <laughs> like, does that actually mean anything to us? And it doesn't necessarily mean anything to Jason Siegel, which is who she would technically be trying to sort of convince right. one like, way or another. Right, like, he's not going to have sympathy for... Like, you're trying exactly. to play the sympathy card and it's not going to work. And he called her out on it, too. He was like, yeah. you're not a victim here. <laughs> like, right. I don't feel bad for you. She goes about it the entirely wrong way. You know, it doesn't even seem like she's really trying to get on his side. So then what was the point of that conversation Right, she all? wanted more sympathy than to... Like you said, get on his level. And that wasn't going to happen. And then, no. and he kind I think he kind of picks up on her timidness and maybe picking up on the scenario that Jesse wanted her to do because when she gets up to grab the drink, he's mm-hmm. like, no, right there. Yeah. Like she was going to come closer. And he was like, uh uh-uh. uh. So I don't know if he kind of assumed that, like that she was going to try to come closer, you know? Yeah, I don't to know. He was, up. he was very cautious. You know, he, he was he definitely. I mean, played... I think it came down to at that point, he was able to not so much read them better, but I think he got a sense of how he could work each person to a certain level. Yeah, I, for all the bumbling around and the missteps that he made, I think he did do a fairly good job of neutralizing them as a potential threat to him. Mm-hmm. You know, he had them tied up, which probably wasn't necessary some of the times that he did have them tied up. But he was always saying, like, stay in sight. Like, he was aware, you know, mm-hmm. he wasn't – he was inexperienced, but he wasn't stupid about it. You know, he he would be like anybody who had reasonable knowledge about how to – kidnap somebody or hold people hostage. He watched a couple of yes, movies. Yes, he's watched a couple of hostage situation movies. But one thing that I wanted to note, because I it was something I 
paid attention to on my second watch was the fact that they talked about how they had a prenup because I asked myself the question a lot at the end of this movie, why not divorce? Mm -hmm. And maybe that's why, because they had done a prenup and I'm guessing Lily Collins wouldn't have walked away with a lot of money. But wasn't there, I agree, but was there, wasn't there a conversation at some point where she tells Jason Siegel that like she didn't need the money? Wasn't there well, a whole part of that? Well, she said she didn't marry him for the money. Right. So then the prenup wouldn't have mattered then. But I, everybody says the money doesn't matter, but it probably matters a little bit. I don't think she did what she did for money. But I think she did what she did because it was the easiest way to get out of this without suffering any consequences and with ending up with his actual money. We can get into the last 20 minutes I was going to say, because we... I, I mean, I think I need to, I need to. Yeah. So. Well, let's the... just, how we get here. This poor gardener. I felt so horrible for I know. him. I know. And he was adorable. He just wanted to thank them. Yeah. And. He wanted to plant this tree and it was adorable. And then this is where I got a little more confused because I think the scenario, I, I mean, I guess it's a question I could ask you too. Okay. If you were in the in the scenario, right? Yeah. Jesse Plemons decides instead of to sign it, write call 911. Mm-hmm. Which we backed, you know, and then we, we go forward and Jason Siegel, not stupid, realizes the gardener was also not chill at all oh no he read the note very obvious stopped dead in his tracks was looking at the house like oh something is going on yeah he was he was acting very suspicious it wasn't good but (laughs) also then he gets the gardener in the house now it's the four of them and lily collins says to jesse like you put us in danger and he's Mm -hmm. like i was trying to help us and this is that was a weird who's who's right who's right i still don't know how to feel about that honestly because i think that it was reasonable for lily collins to assume that once the money came jason siegel would leave but at the same time again as i just mentioned you don't know that you don't have a guarantee of that he could change his mind at any minute and if you have this opportunity to potentially get out that you could take it so I don't think she should have been upset with him, but I also see her point. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think they were going about it in different ways. And she was like, you took that choice away from me. Again, yeah. the whole choice theme. You took that choice away from me and you involved him and you involved him. And I think his intentions were good. But the only thing that I hesitate on with that is that if he thought that Jason Siegel might leave, maybe he was just doing it so he didn't have to spend $500,000 on it. Right. To save his money at that point. But again, I don't get that vibe from him. He has enough money. Yeah, because even <laughs> when he when they were negotiating the amount, he didn't seem phased by it at all. He wasn't like, right. oh, I can't do that. Like, he does the call with the assistant. Mm-hmm. But again, yeah. it was that vibe like he's done this before. Wait, you're saying Jesse Plemons has Yes, like before? him saying to his assistant, listen, I need 500 cash. I need this, that. Like, he just, like, he was reading off a script, like, I've done this before. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know that he's ever been held hostage like this before, but he has certainly had to arrange for payouts. Because what my assumption was, was that he had been involved with some woman named Debbie, and maybe other women, 
Well, it was an. Doesn't she say to Jason Siegel, was it another Debbie or yeah, something? Right. So presumably more than one, but mm-hmm. we only know the one Debbie. And so has to pay off these women just to keep them quiet. So like clearly he's arranged for illicit payments before, but I don't think he's ever been blackmailed like this. <laughs> no. Because he, I feel like he would have said something like that. Where like, oh yeah, I've definitely been held hostage by some employees before. Are you an employee? Either way, I don't know quite how to feel about that decision. I understood it when he did it. Mm -hmm. And it's unfortunate that it played out the way that it did. Because if the gardener had just been like slightly more chill about it, it might have saved them from the situation. Yeah. <laughs> so no, I I mean it's just because I saw it went him down like, the way that it did. I'm like no 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 I know no no no, no, <laughs> it's like, no, no dude no. be cool man. Uh yeah. So if that had gone differently, maybe Lily Collins would be singing a different song. You know. Yeah. Might be thankful for the fact that he had done that. But I think about this a lot when I listen to true crime or watch true crime shows. Thinking about what I would do in certain situations, you know, would I try to escape or would I wait it out for my opportunity? You never know. Or you could be like me and just take a nap. Exactly. Or you could be like, Tom, take a nap. (laughs) But you never know what's going to save you. Trying to leave might get you killed, but trying to leave might Mm -hmm. allow you to escape. So I think it's hard to know what's best. And he made the calculation that that was the smartest thing to do. And we'll never, I mean, I guess we know for this situation that it was not, but Mm -hmm. he didn't know. He could not have known that. So I think it was not fair for her to be upset with him for doing that. And now, I don't know why I'm forgetting this. I just watched it last night. What was it that set the gardener off to run? Jesse Plemons gets in Jason Siegel's face right. and is, is taunting him. He's like, you're not going to shoot me. I'm just going to walk out. Like, you're not going to stop me. He's, oh, yes. And then he ends up shooting, he, like, in He the shoots air. behind him, basically. Like, fires the gun, not at him, but near him to startle him. And then the gardener freaks out and tries to run. This was such a surreal scenario. I want to see a Mythbusters because I honestly don't think that you could do this. <laughs> I don't think you could die this way. <laughs> Unless, like, Valentine, it's intentional. I don't think it was. <laughs> no, but that that's what I'm saying. Like, how he died. Yeah. But by his own accord, he went through the window. Right. But he, then dropped. He tripped and crashed into, like, the glass door. Yes. Yeah, so and, it shatters, except yeah. for, uh, obviously, the pieces in the bottom of yeah, the door. Yeah, along the, yeah. And the he basically falls into them. Slices open his neck. Yeah, probably hits that jugular and then just bleeds out on the floor. It's so brutal and it's so out of nowhere. And it's just like, again, this gardener has no chill. Like, I know he walked into this situation that was totally beyond his comprehension or ability to deal with. But the fact that this is how he decides to handle it, maybe he should have just taken a nap. (laughs) He should have just taken a nap. Because honestly, you got caught outside, given your reaction. Yeah. How is this reaction going to be any different? Right. I mean, it ended horribly. Yeah, like it could It you had a better chance to run away outside than you did inside. So yeah. you already missed your chance to escape. Now you're just here. So you, you might as well just sit, sit here. <laughs> and even their reactions, like Jason Siegel obviously had the biggest reaction. Mm-hmm. But Jesse Plemons was just like repeating himself over and over and then she's just sitting there standing she's there, horrified horrified but this changes the whole game now well it does yes because now there's been a murder he can't he would need way more than five hundred thousand dollars to get out of this and now i'm sure and what 
Lily Collins is thinking as well is that now he's thinking he has to kill these two people to prevent anybody from talking about what happened in this mm-hmm. room. So you can see the the energy shifting for that. But Jason he- Siegel ends up tying them up in different rooms. Mm-hmm. And I laughed a little at this because he ties up Jesse Plemons and then tur- but turns him around to face like the wall. Yeah. And you just hear him saying, babe, babe, are you all right, babe? Like, I, I just found that so funny because in the most dire circumstances, he has this, like, chill nature about him. Yeah. That is kind of funny. Like, I yeah. find it funny. Yes. He's got a very deadpan sort of humor about him. And that was the thing when he was kind of monologuing. Um, at Jason Siegel before the Gardner incident. Uh, and Lily Collins is like, leave him alone. And he's like, leave him alone? I had to help this guy rob me. And I should leave him alone? Right. <laughs> it's just... It's like, like, he's so not funny. wrong. But yeah, at no, the same time, He it's literally like, uh... walked him through and, and helped him rob him throughout this entire movie. It, it was accurate. Very funny. So the money gets dropped off at, in a duffel bag at the end of the driveway. Jason Siegel sends Lily Collins out to get it. She's at the foot of the driveway. I... Can I say something? Yeah. I thought she was going to walk in front of that car. I thought she was going to flag the car down. Oh, I thought she was going to walk in front of it. Like, why that was she, her. Why would she do that? <laughs> just given her demeanor the entire why movie. Why wouldn't she try to get rescued? <laughs> because you could tell she's in a life she wants no part of anymore. And I thought that that would, you know, like, in my fucked up mind, <laughs> that's that what was I thought. the way out. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, yeah, no, that's not what I was thinking. I was or thinking that she, she thought that would be her only down. way out. Just how it was. Well, she does neither of those things. She picks up the bag and brings it back to the house. But can I, can we go back to, let's just go back really quick. To what? What did we to miss? To this, what we were just talking about the car and the. Yeah. She doesn't even try to flag the car down. She just opens her mouth and no words come out. Like if that was going to happen, move a little bit. Well, she didn't because she didn't want to do that. But that's what I'm saying. That's what made me think she was going to walk in front of the car. Oh. Because she wasn't trying to get the attention of the car. I thought, okay, she sees the car coming. Now's my chance to end this fucking torturous life I'm in right now. I see. I saw it as two choices. I didn't even really consider suicide as part of it. I thought she was either going to pick up the money and run back to the house or she was going to flag down the car. And again, we can talk about this more as we get into the ending, but I think that the choice she made there was not to put this in the hands of the government and the authorities, the proper Mm. authorities for dealing with this, and to take it into her own hands. Because they do, they show her shoes, she's looking down at her feet, deciding which direction she's going to go. Is she going to go out into the street and flag down the car, or is she going to go back to the house? So she chooses to go back into the house and he goes, he's going to leave again. He's going to leave. He's going to leave. And it's so funny because I'm sitting there and I'm singing the Steve Miller band song to myself. Take the money and run. (laughs) Because at that point, you have it. Just go. Just fucking leave. Mm -hmm. But he has to go back and sit down with Jesse Plemons. And give him a tidbit of information. And let him know that his wife is taking birth control, so he's always going to be alone. When he said that, I was like, ooh, wow. But at first, I didn't know where he was going with it. Because I'm like, how is he going to be alone? He's married. Like, you're alone. I saw that coming. I just, because he had that knowledge. He was going to, he was trying to hurt him. But 
I don't uh, I don't understand why he did it that way. I don't know. I thought he had made more of a personal connection with Lily Collins to the point where he might have set her down and been like, you should leave this guy. Like, like say something to her. Yeah. Like, bringing it to his attention just didn't feel right to me because I didn't think he had anything so much against her. And he dragged her into it. it like, he was creating a well, problem that's when, that's, for her. Yeah. And I think she also knew that that dynamic was not going to work because of, again, the tattoo comment. And she says, you know, just so you know, it was a rose and I loved it. And he's like, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> yeah. And then he that's when he goes in to talk to Jesse Plemons and tells him. No, that's when he leaves. Right. That's when he leaves. But then he comes back. Okay. And then she's sitting there and you see her look down and she sees a piece of the broken glass. To help. It's when she's cutting the cord. Yes. And then that she looks. Tells her. Yes. And then you just see her look up and I'm like, fuck. Here's my question. If she had her hands to saw through the cord on her ankles, why didn't she just untie it? <clears throat> Good point. <laughs> this really bothered me on my second watch because I'm like, wait a minute. That's a second watch question, too, because yeah. I wasn't even thinking of that. <laughs> like, wait a minute. If you're if you're down there for that long sawing at your fucking cords, why can't you just... Right, your hands are... Your hands are there! Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they also look like bungee cords, so I thought that they were just like clipped. Somehow. I think they were computer ca- or the cable because he ripped the cables out from the oh wall yes yes the TV yes to tie them up first. So like it couldn't have been that tight of a knot. No. So like she absolutely could have just untied her feet. Like there's no way she couldn't have. But whatever. And I also granted the look on her face was oh shit I got got. But at the same time here I think she thought. She had Jason Siegel in the bag. Like, she was more on his side. Yeah. And thought that maybe, just maybe, he'd just leave and shut the fuck up. And well, then once that happened... That's my question, is because he revealed to Jesse Plemons that she was on birth control the reason why she decided to kill everybody? I think so. Because I don't know. Because she was trying to free herself to do something before he left. Because otherwise, if she was just going to wait until he was gone then there was no reason for her to start trying to free herself until he was out of there. Well, I think, A, she wanted to kill him to get the money. Okay. She want the money gone. Okay. I think also once that happened, now that Jesse Plemons knows she's taking her birth control, her life's really going to be a living hell now. That's a part of their life that clearly they're on the odds, you know. Right, they're on not the same page. So all of her pent-up feelings now that she told Jason Siegel earlier... And all these thoughts of, like, on my wedding day and all that shit. Like, clearly she has all of these pent-up things. And I don't know if she had them pent up prior or it just took a hostage situation for them to come <laughs> to light. But now she's just kind of, fuck, like, there's $500,000. She can start over now. Yeah. Here's what I think. She made the decision to kill both of them at the end of the driveway. I don't think him revealing the birth control had anything to do with it because I think at that point she realized that this was her chance to to make a choice to change the course of her life. And the only way to do that and get away with it would be to kill both of them because I questioned myself why she needed to kill Jason Siegel if really the most important thing to her was getting away from Jesse Plemons, which mm-hmm. I think it was. But 
now she can say that Jason Siegel was the one who killed Jesse Plemons. And she didn't really clean the gun off good. She didn't, but she did, you know, make it look good enough, I think. Yeah. Like that nobody would really question her about it. As she's doing it, I'm like, you missed the whole top part. (laughs) You touched the whole top part and you didn't clean it off. The thing that bothers me about it, though, is that she didn't really seem to do this with a lot of conviction. Like she was she was the the traumatized little woman walking around shaking Mm -hmm. and breathing heavily like, I don't want to do this, but I have to do this. I, I think it just would have had a lot more respect for her if she had come to this decision more confidently but it almost felt like she snapped and was just kind of in this weird fugue state when she did it i don't know i just think right I now would've... she's numb like I... after both of them it was like first of all when she gets <laughs> she takes a statue and just goes at jason siegel and i was like fuck okay yeah, that was whatever brutal luckily we didn't have to see it and yes. then we did have to hear it though i did love jesse plemons just being like Babe, did you kill him? Did, did you, you just kill, him? kill him? Did you just kill him? Oh my god, fuck yeah. Da, 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 da. And then she just stands in front of him and he's mm-hmm. like, are you gonna shoot me? Like, I thought that that, like, he just had commentary for everything. Mm-hmm. And part of me was like, okay, this is her last fucking straw. Like, shut the fuck up. Boom, yeah. boom, boom. And again, are we are we taking this movie as the moral of the story is? like <laughs> Kill I don't all know. the men in your life right? and take the money. <laughs> Because, again, you know, if, if they had a prenup, she wouldn't have gotten all of his money. But he might have life insurance. If he dies, she might get all of his money that way or at least inherit maybe his business or his assets or something, depending on what his will says. Right. And it's so, just – and it's crazy to me because I think I envisioned a different ending or, like, just a different scenario where, like, her and Jason Siegel were in, Jason Siegel were in cahoots. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know what I mean? And then yeah. that's, like, they kind of planned the whole thing where she knew him and was right. like, listen, this is the plan. I need to get away from him. Yeah. I think there were a lot of ways this movie could have been more interesting. There just could have been better twists. Like, I don't even think this was a twist, really. It was only a twist in that, and I said this earlier, in that we just, we didn't know that Lily Collins was ever remotely capable of this. Right. And I still don't think she... I, I'm still not convinced that she was because, they again, they present two different sides to her. It's either the passive suppressed wife mm-hmm. or the, you know, the woman of agency who makes decisions and choices and whatever. And I even as she makes this choice, it doesn't even seem like she wants to be making it. If mm-hmm. she had conviction in it and was like, fuck this, fuck this life, I'm out of here. But she doesn't even do it with any degree of self. Like, she's doing this for herself. She's almost doing it compulsive or impulsively. And it's like, what is happening? Right, she doesn't seem like she has any relief afterwards. No, she's just traumatized forever now. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, well, so everybody, everybody wins. Good job. The only... And I'm going to put it in air quotes. Exciting part was the last 20 minutes. Yes. that And again, that was the only thing that made me feel like I could do this movie for the podcast because I I don't think anything else would have would have been noteworthy enough. But the one thing I just want to touch on briefly because we mentioned it before was that it's his shoelaces being untied that gets him killed technically or theoretically maybe because he pauses outside the front door to mm-hmm. stop and tie his shoelaces and that's when lily collins has the opportunity to grab the statue and smack him over the head so had he not had to stop and tie his shoelaces could he have gotten away 
probably, maybe. Right, but also, why did we have to see it done several times? Exactly. I mean, the only thing I can think of is, is it like a status thing? Was he wearing blue collar work boots? And they did show Jesse Plemons shoes at one point, and there were these like really fancy looking sneakers. Oh, they were Yeezys. Yeah, so... I don't know. Do they not have shoelaces? <laughs> like, I'm trying to figure out, like, is right. there is there a class difference here in the footwear that would imply that he might need to tie his I think, shoes I more mean, often? Maybe. I don't know. I, I don't know. But it was a very shoe-oriented movie at some point. <laughs> it really was. And it was, it was kind of like the snails in deep water where I was like, this has to mean something. I just don't know what. And I don't know that I care enough. Right. And it cracks me up, too, because now on Netflix, like, the poster they show... Mm-hmm. It says windfall, and then it's her shoes. Oh, because of the yeah. And I'm like, well, I What's understand with the that shoes? one. I understand her shoes representing her shoes choice, makes sense, but at the same time, his doesn't. Also, and Jesse Plummer. If you're still. looking for a movie, and that's the poster you see, right? Are you really the that relevance intrigued? makes no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair, but yeah, the this movie was a nothing burger for me. You know, it was just a, a lot. Burger. It was a lot of nothing. And again, we got really no answer. I mean, there was no, no backstories, nothing. And I, and as I said before, if this was supposed to be an exercise in character development, I really feel like I didn't learn very much about anybody. And what we learn about Lily Collins at the end of the movie doesn't make sense based on what we had known about her up to that point. So it's only surprising because they didn't develop it properly. Right. Oh, well. One thing I didn't mention before when we were talking about it, but I need to call out now because it was one of my favorite funny moments of the movie was when Jason Segel comes back and they escape from the sauna and they're running through the orange groves. Oh, my God. That was great. <laughs> and he's chasing Jesse Palmas and he's like, I win. I got you. Just stop. Don't make us run anymore. And I was like, <laughs> yes, that's exactly how I would be <laughs> if like a serial killer was chasing me or something. And they were like, dude, just stop. Like, I can't chase you. I'd be like, yeah, okay, fine. That's that's fair. I don't feel like running anymore either. <laughs> <laughs> now, let me say, I was blaming Charlie McDowell for this movie. Mm-hmm. Was that false? A- according to IMDb, Uh-oh. Jason Siegel pitched the idea for this film oh, no. on a Zoom call with Charlie McDowell two months into COVID quarantine in 2020. The goal was to create a story with a small ensemble that could be filmed in one location. Perfect for COVID times. It does make sense that it would be a COVID movie. And then it was Jesse Plemons' idea that his character CEO would be wearing Yeezys as opposed to dress shoes or any other typical business apparel. Interesting. So there was thought going into the shoes. Yeah. But we just don't know what the thought was. (laughs) Lily Collins watched several documentaries on the social elite to get a better sense of her character, wife. Collins also looked at red carpet photos of couples and studied if the woman in the photos looked genuinely happy or if they appeared to be masking their true emotions. Wow, that's like a weird judgment to make. It is, because also you're an actress with a husband. So, yeah, what? (laughs) Yeah, that's so strange. I mean, maybe she looked at red carpet photos of couples that have broken up since then and perhaps took from that. But I just think there's such a big difference between being unhappy in your marriage and wanting to murder your husband. I mean, she obviously just took an opportunity that was available. Yeah, I don't think it was premeditated. No, but she did at some point decide this is my way out of this relationship as opposed to pursuing divorce. So 
you know, I just, I never think that you see so many, so many murders happen because people just don't want to go the, the route of divorce. Mm-hmm. And it's just so stupid because somebody did not have to lose their life over this. And even if we're supposed to feel like Jesse Plemons was a bad person and deserved to die, I don't feel that way. No. I actually didn't think he was that bad of a person. He might have been a dick in, in a lot of ways, but he wasn't a bad person. I don't think he was a bad person. I don't think he was a bad husband either. No. And honestly, I was thinking to myself, he constantly is concerned with her safety. Mm-hmm. When they were talking about the gun, he was like, point the gun at me. Don't point it at her. Don't yell at her. Talk to me. You know, constantly putting himself in front of her when there was danger. So when she flips out and says, yeah. you risk, I'm like, hello. He's been telling, yeah, he's been telling your captor to point his gun at him the entire time. And you think that he isn't concerned for your safety? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was fucking weird. Yeah, so I don't get I don't get that whole thing. I yes, he was kind of a dick. They had that whole conversation about entitlement and, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, which kind of made me feel like every conversation I've ever had with boomers about entitled millennials and stuff. But mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, sure, he doesn't always say the right things or do the right things, but who does? He's a right. human being. So uh, he didn't deserve to die, I don't think. Mm-mm. And I, I find it strange that Lily Collins didn't even want to have a conversation about I don't think he would have flipped her it. on it. I don't think he would have given – or, I mean, there would have been some pushback maybe, but I don't think he would have really went against her. He never seemed like he steamrolled her. No. Because – that I think that was maybe the impression that she was giving us, that he would not allow her to have a, a say in these types of decisions. But I do, it never seemed like he was cutting her off Mm-mm. or undercutting her, undermining her. So I really didn't see the dynamic that would have led her to think that the only way out of this relationship was to take advantage of this situation and, and kill him. Right. What yeah. a not so wild ride. <laughs> yes it, it was a very smooth slash boring ride it was like driving through you know middle america hmm. <laughs> or just like cornfields the whole way and you're like all right and then maybe you see a cow at the end and you're like cool a cow moo moo <laughs> oh god yep so um we'll go from this to talking about riverdale which is packed ear to ear with oh, ridiculousness and magic and superpowers and things so yes it's quite a zero to 60 but we got you covered yes and then so far from may we have two movies yeah we're pretty psyched about them i was super psyched to see that the 365 days sequel is dropping on netflix at the end of the month yep on april 27th i am so excited i shared it on twitter i, I want everyone to get it. prepared yes and then also, due to overwhelming commentary, <laughs> we're going to do rubber. It's timely because June is Tire Safety Month. And we feel that this is the thing that you need to do to prepare for that. So. Yes. You have to save yourself from murderous tires. Yeah. And bald tires. Those are dangerous. Yes. They're you horrible. Check your tires. Make sure your treads are still visible. Yes. <laughs> I want to thank... All of our Twitter followers, because I think... Let me just check really quickly. Live stats coming at you. We now have 500... <gasps> oh my god, we got there! ...Twitter followers. I want to thank literally everyone. <laughs> but there are a couple who were very specific in helping us get there. Which is Talking Tarot, Tipsy Pod, 
Drunk Logic. I want to thank the Let's Talk Petty podcast, who gave us our personal Fall Friday shout out saying they deserve their own mention. They do a lot to support podcasters every Friday. And by they, they really mean Dawn, because Dawn is doing all of our Twitter. You know what? Can I tell you, though? <laughs> it's so funny. I kind of made like a general announcement, like, I run the Twitter. <laughs> But at the same time, whenever I answer somebody's question, or I, like I put dash Dawn at the end because I'm like, Dawn's <laughs> answering. But it, <laughs> it is me. Yeah, I'll get on there one day. I just don't know how Twitter works. <laughs> it's okay. I don't understand it. I do consult with you, though, when there's stuff that like we need to answer as like. Yes, I do recall giving my preferences on like vacations and movies and stuff. <laughs> yeah, it was a fun little thing. But um, no, I do consult i'm not just sitting here like i don't know what a retweet is (laughs) (laughs) i don't know how it works i don't know how you do things listen i'm getting our name out there and thanks to these lovely people we are moving on up in the world hell yeah which is very exciting again merch 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 links are in the bios um i've again been creating some more stuff but you know we want to move some stuff first before i put new stuff out yeah, we're all about that limited time offer. <laughs> <laughs> it's never limited, but, you know, maybe I'll swap some stuff out because um, we have some new Riverdale stuff, Emily and Paris stuff, deep water stuff. Yeah, we know you want that snail action. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody wants the snails. Escar, go to our website. Yeah. See what I did there? Wow. Snails. <laughs> You're on a roll tonight. <laughs>